What's up, guys? Future Travis here. Just letting you guys know we had a little bit of an audio issue on the Elbows Tight podcast side during this interview. Luckily, our guest still sounds great. So hopefully it's not too bad to where you don't want to listen for us. We greatly appreciate you guys and hope you enjoy. Thanks. John and Travis here with a fantastic episode of Elvis Type Podcast. We have a very special guest today on this episode. His name is Jordan Rabe. Rabe. Uh, he is a purple belt under Andre Galvo. Is that how you say his last name? Yep. Yeah. I always mess up his last name because he just said it kind of differently in in, in, the, in the episode. But he's a purple belt under him. He's down in Venice Beach, California. And it is a great episode. He just took third place at World's Masters. And he is a very unique person when it comes to jujitsu in my eyes. He's a smaller guy. He weighs in at 145, 142, something like that. So he's a lightweight or flyweight. And then he also competes in a light flyweight a little bit also. But his episode is great because he goes deep into the mentality of jujitsu and the way he competes and whatnot. Right, John? Yeah, I took a lot out of that. It was nice to hear how someone gets ready for it, make sure they're going to meet the weight, you know how they go about it. Yeah, it was it was really, really good. So everything for him is going to be down in the description below. Also, don't forget, we have our patches. If you guys want to buy a patch, please let me know. Everything will be down in the description below for that also. And check out our websites, elbowstight.com, Elbows Podcast on everywhere you look, YouTube page, everything. We're, we're, we're having some extra content coming out here soon. So John and I are going to be 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 giving you guys more uh on our YouTube page and podcast and we got a whole bunch of people lined up also but this is Jordan's episode so if you guys want to check him out once again everything will be down in the description below hit him up on Instagram he has a super slick single leg defense to knee bar it's it's incredible we actually talk about it and how he went viral because of it it's pretty funny so hopefully you guys enjoy this episode and uh John you got anything else nope enjoy it all right guys catch you later Thanks. Bye. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Elbows Type Podcast. It's your host, Travis and John. John, how you doing today? Uh, as good as I can be. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. <laughs> Using both arms to yeah, drink this cup yeah, of coffee. Yeah. I was struggling to put on the headphones. I was like, I wonder if he's watching this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If you guys don't know, we'll probably talk about it in the intro too. But John, if John looks broke, it's because he's not broke now. Now he's actually right, fixed right. and he's yeah. just recovering from yeah. it. But today we have a very special guest. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, there, Jordan. Yeah. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Jordan Rabe. Um, I am a purple belt at Ature Brazilian Jiu Jitsu here in uh, Los Angeles, out of Hollywood. Um, I'm 30 years old. I've been training for almost six years now. Um, yeah, recently placed third at Masters Worlds at uh, Light Featherweight Masters One, and yeah, I love jujitsu. That's why I'm here. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on, man. So you said you've been training for uh, about six years, right? Yes. Sir. And so, what what initially got you into jujitsu? We I did, we did a little bit of research on you, found some information. So you were you started off in wrestling in high school. Mm-hmm. Then pro, pro, uh, went over to college, tried to do a little bit more wrestling, but that's when you found jiu-jitsu, right? Correct. Yeah. So um, I guess even back before then, it, before I got into wrestling, I had dreams as a kid. Um, 
doing some sort of martial arts, whether that was like kickboxing, uh, and eventually mixed martial arts. So that's where like I was a kid. I was like, okay, I don't really like karate. Going back, basically back in uh, high school, I'm like, okay, what's the closest thing I can get myself prepped to have a potential MMA career? So started wrestling, really loved it, did semi-decent. And then after high school, um, went to a JC in San Luis Obispo called Cuesta College. I tried a season there, but uh, at the time I was in a band and just going to school full-time, so stopped for a little bit. Then after college, I got my bachelor's degree in kinesiology, which helps greatly in jiu-jitsu for me, but um, started training full-time at Paragon Jiu-Jitsu in San Luis Obispo and um, haven't stopped since. So I started 2016 and basically have been training ever since and um, did a few tournaments here and there and finally started getting good at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty so cool how I, that works, right? Yeah, right. It's, especially when you have like a, a little bit of a grappling experience in the yes. background. Do you feel like that transferred over into your jujitsu right away? Oh, 100%. Uh, it's one of the things I tell people like when I do train with them, like, dude, like, how do you move so well? And I always chalk it back up to wrestling because I started wrestling when I was 14 years old, learned how to do double leg, single leg, everything. And then also just learning how to, or understanding how to move a body around and also scramble. I feel like that also carries into my jiu-jitsu where it, was, it wasn't it was as helpful in wrestling, to, but it applies better in jiu-jitsu. Um, but yeah, with that wrestling background, I feel like just body awareness in general, you know where you're at regardless. And I had four years of that going into white belt. So having that understanding of the body, learning how to move around, great brownie points for a white belt. <laughs> I bet he was a killer, right? White belt, no stripes. Oh, kind of, man. Everybody's probably like, oh, this, this new guy. Have you seen videos of him? Yeah. Going? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you're like you're super fast as it is. Like, And the one thing that I noticed right away when uh, I watched some of your blue belt tape and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I am terrible <laughs> at jujitsu as a blue Especially belt man. Especially even singles and doubles. Right? Yeah, it's bro. Like, I'm like, come on, man. I can yeah. never get that. <laughs> They're like you. That does not look smooth. So what was what was white belt Jordan like? Did you have that wrestling mentality that we see a lot in you know grappler wrestlers going into jiu-jitsu where it was like a hundred and ten percent every class, every person you're trying to roll with was like wrestling practice. Was that kind of like what you were like when you first started? Yeah, pr- precisely. Um, <laughs> to the point to where I was I was almost injuring myself every practice. Oh like, wow, wow. It, yeah, like where they're like, hey, like you can chill out a little bit. And just because in wrestling, I feel like it's always offense. You know, you always need to attack. Like when you're on bottom, you need to get out. You need to attack. So I, I still I could dial it down back a little bit more now. Um, but yeah, when you have that aggressiveness in wrestling, it just translates to where like you're in a position. You need to squeeze as hard as you can to get in the next position. Um, whereas, yeah, I feel like you can't be passive in wrestling, whereas it's okay in jujitsu. And I feel like jujitsu, like not to shit on jujitsu and or wrestling, <laughs> but it's, it's like <laughs> jujitsu is wrestling for old, older people. I, I guess, yeah, more passive type of wrestling, I guess with clothes. <laughs> No, that's definitely, I, I, I agree. Uh, I, I wouldn't throw the old person in there because I'm the same age as you and I started a little <laughs> bit later, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, it's, I'm fine it's, with it. Yeah, it's definitely true. <laughs> like, uh, I wrestled a, a very little bit my freshman year in high school 
And uh, I definitely felt that 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 body awareness transferred over very well into jujitsu, especially I think you and I have a very similar background. I skateboarded growing up. I wrestled a little bit, love pop Mm -hmm. punk, like all that stuff. Right. And uh, so I definitely felt like skateboarding and then just being an active kid really translated over into jujitsu. And it's, it's cool because when you roll with someone, like, especially the more experience you get, you can instantly tell when someone has grappling experience. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, okay, I guess this is going to get kind of interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what, sure. what what was that first class like for you when you first walked in and you, you wrapped that white belt around your, your, your waist and got into it? Um, well, so I have, like, can we, should we chalk it up to my first initial jiu-jitsu class? Like, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very interesting. Like even before I stepped on the mat, on the jujitsu mat, I had YouTubed. I mean, I've been <laughs> like a fan of jujitsu for a while, even like high school wrestling, but just never officially took a class. So I knew what a guillotine was. I knew what a triangle choke was. And I, yeah, rear, yeah, rear naked choke and whatnot. But um, I even, <laughs> before my first class, I, I YouTubed how to tie a belt. And uh. I, I still tie my belt the same exact way. It was Henry Gracie. He has like four different ways, and the way I do it, he calls it the, I think he calls it like the the movie star or something. So the like Hollywood tie. The Hollywood is that the, yeah, like where yeah, you turn around Hollywood. and there's like no overlap. Yeah. I time about like that every single time I roll. <laughs> but um, anyways, I, I felt like I had a really good uh, mental preparation for my first jujitsu class. So walked in, I knew some techniques, and also obviously just had my wrestling to fall back on. So. Um, definitely got humbled for sure because was not used to not leading with my head all the time so i got loop choked over and over and over legit i think like at least 10 times that day and um but still had like some really good like top movement but first day was definitely humbling and i just i had that mat bug that that jujitsu bug where i was like ah i I need to learn more and went home youtubed every single technique video how to do any type of submission and would favorite all of them and i still have them in my youtube like playlists too which is funny but i just spent a lot of time like after my first class too just trying to soak up as much jujitsu as possible and be good at it <laughs> when when did you start competing jujitsu after your first um class? it was the first year i think within like seven months or so at uh, the U.S. Open in, it was in Santa Monica, but it was uh, BJJ Stars. I think that's who runs it. Were you doing basically um... same same rules as uh, IBJJF? But yeah, I think it's BG, BJJ Tours. I believe is what it's called. Actually, was that at one hundred and forty five? It did one fifty two. So so featherweight. Um, yeah, one fifty four. But I've always bounced between like. In high school, I wrestled as a freshman, 119s and 125s, 130s, and also stayed within like 125, 130. And even now, like I go up, I think feather weight's like my max I'll ever go, but I also really like fighting open weight because that shit's fun. But <laughs> yeah, featherweight, light feathers, my, my weight class. So that's a, that's a pretty, that's a relatively light uh, group, especially for uh, like being a master's. Do you... Do you have a lot of competition in that weight class or is it, is it, you know, four or five guys when you, when you compete locally and at masters? There's surprisingly always a lot of guys in like, for sure feather, a little bit less in light feather, but, um, uh, I did San Diego five grappling in 
June or July, I had 30 guys or 25, wow. 30 guys. And at Masters Worlds, I had 26. Um, wow, that's, typically, that's... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, yeah, typically like around, I want to say at least 20, 20 to 30. That's actually quite... I, that's way more than I thought there would be at that weight. Because I feel like in uh, the older you get, obviously, the heavier you get. And the most people I see is that like 160 to like 185, those eight, those weight brackets. Like that's that's where I see like the most like... Um, when you competed that one time, that was probably pretty stacked for... Well, no, because you jumped up to 200. I went to 195, yeah. but I ended at 181. Mm-hmm. But, like, our friends that compete at, like, 175-ish, like, they're they're completely stacked. Yeah. Like, 40, 50 Yeah, that shit people. sucks. <laughs> well, I'm in have... this bracket, so it's not a lot of people. Yeah, you're like, I have seven fights to get to quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what, what is your... Uh, let's let's jump over into your, like, competition mentality a little bit. When when you are competing, especially at, like, a stage like Worlds, Masters Worlds, yeah. what is it like in between matches and then walking up to the mat to, to actually grapple? Um, It's... I feel like people... I feel like most people tend to kind of psych themselves out when it comes to com- competing. For myself, I actually got it from a podcast that I was listening to with John Danner, I believe. Oh, yeah. He was talking about um, the plank parable. Do you remember hearing that? Uh-uh. Like, he talks about a wooden plank. <clears throat> and it's uh, it's like a teacher and some kids has a wooden plank on the, on just the floor of the, gra- the grass. And he's talking about these kids, life lessons, and he's just like, all right, so kids, watch this. Walks across a wooden plank. The kids are like, cool, great. Let's say it's like 20 feet long. Uh, this teacher gets the same plank, puts it on top of like two high buildings, walks across the same plank, and all these kids are like, oh my goodness, that's incredible. Takes it back down, talks to the kids, like, hey, he's like, what was different? Like, you just at like a different height. He's like, yeah, but the plank was still the same. So what John Danner had was talking about that was the plank is basically jujitsu, the match, and everything else, and um, nothing nothing changed but the perspective and everything surrounding it. So what I take from that is when I walk on the mat, it's the same exact thing going to practice and training your ass off. So I try to get myself in the position where I'm like when I, when I'm walking to the mat, it's just like. When my coach says, all right, tie your belts, find a new partner, five minute goes, let's go, three, two, one, fight. And I, I feel like I've, as of recently, at least the past three years, I've been doing a great job at that by putting myself in a comfortable space mentally and just kind of clouding out and drowning out everything else around like the, the lights, cameras, <laughs> everything else on like the overhead speakers, the music, and just try to chalk it up in that moment. And I do that by listening to music. Like I feel like music's a really, really good powering force just to get my my head right and just overall emotion and feeling within the moment. So I tend to listen. I, I grew up listening to R and B, hip hop, every type of music. I was in a pop punk band for a bit too. Went to hardcore shows, but I feel like what gets me in the zone is like hip hop, R and B stuff. Like some stuff I can dance to because when I dance, I know I'm comfortable. I can have fun. So. There's often times where like I just plug in and I'm just mainly rocking, doing my thing, doing the Dougie, and <laughs> just having fun, you know? Like, I feel like when I'm having fun in the moment, I'll do well. And every time I do that, regardless of the outcome of the, the match, I know like I was there in the moment and I'm having fun. So I do my best to put myself in the position to where 
I'm not stressed out about anything and just legitimately having fun. And that's, I feel like I, I translate well in my jujitsu. I'm like pretty risky, but I'm having fun with it, you know. Sorry, long story short. No, no, I, wanna, I like to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a, I, I think that's a great thing because uh, we talk to a lot of people and their mentality of going into competitions. We actually just talked to Arthur Ruff, who is a uh, black belt world champ. He did a mm-hmm. seminar just at our school, very simple, and he was talking about how his last competition. He's like forty-two. He went in there very mellow, relaxed, right, and he got his ass kicked the entire time. Right. He's all like, so now I know don't go in there. Be, be that killer. Like I can't. Yeah. He's like, I can't be the chill person relaxing and whatnot. And we hear a lot of people talk about like they have to be in the zone, you know, like straight faced. And so it's it's it's, it's good hearing that someone's like, no, nah, man, I go in there. I'm like, I, I want to chill. I'm going to have fun and, and then just roll, <laughs> you know, that. So it's, yeah. it's definitely a new perspective that I don't think a lot of people actually yeah. have. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to say like I'm like super chill and like all right, well let's like <laughs> I want to yeah like it's definitely like a good middle ground you know yeah. but I want to say definitely more like on the spectrum so say like right here is the zone or you or everyone's like I need to be right here maybe even like more aggressive but I'm like more on like the the le- left side tier or where, wherever this side is on your screen you know like like right in the middle of that where I'm I'm still in the moment and just enough to where. Um, I can still think well, like especially on my feet, and um, yeah. So where I'm not too chill, where I can still think clearly, and yeah, just like. So in, in your matches, do you? John loves this question. Do you go for points or do you go for submissions? And how do you know if you're losing or not? I tend to go for submissions. Um, uh, <laughs> I know if I'm losing, if um, I I hate bottom, I hate playing bottom. Um, but if I, I I I also feel like I watch the clock every once in a while to see where I'm at if I am. But I I do try to go for the finish. I love taking the back. I feel like um, having that wrestling background it was and taking someone's back was the most familiar thing for me. So any moment I could expose a back or take someone's back, I know regardless of the points or situation, or let's say let's, that points is in the situation, I know if I have the back, I have a pretty substantial amount of points racked up, I hope. Um, but also I'm in the best position to finish as well. So just why I like being in the back, regardless of whatever system or whatever rule set. If I'm in the back, I'm going to finish you. As At least I have a high percentage of finishing you. So um, that's... Why I like the finish. <laughs> At least get to the back. Yeah. It's less to think about. You don't have to worry about yeah. points. Like, and so, same thing in wrestling, too. Um, I wrestled freestyle in Greco, and I wouldn't like the points. I would At least in freestyle in Greco, if you get a uh, suplex on someone for five points and the back lands flat, you finish the entire match. So Isn't that called freestyle techn- in Gre- great technical? Or you, what was that? Is, that? is that called technical? Like you, you tech? Tech fall. Or? Yeah. Tech fall. Yeah. Tech fall. Um, so yeah, in freestyle, like every time I'd go out, I would try to, from standing, like hit a pass by, lock up at the waist, go for a five. <clears throat> Cause yeah, also, I, I'm, I just feel like I'm a lazy person in general and like, I'd rather finish a match like that. Right? Well, I was just, just like, thinking the same thing. The points. <laughs> Energy management. I want this over as fast as possible. Exactly. Like finish it. Like 
shake your hands, finish a match, go on to your next one, or go home and eat, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That, not that's, enough hours in the day to do shit. <laughs> oh, man. And that's like a quick, quick comment on that. Like, that's kind of why I'm like, I don't really want to. I haven't competed yet. Uh, I was thinking probably this coming year uh, will be the year that I actually do it. I have a baby coming in March, too. Ah, congrats, um, man. Thank you. Thank you. I have a one year old, a 13 year old, and one on the way. So it's like, I'm pretty busy. And, but yeah. like the the whole idea of like spending hours at a competition, I'm like that just doesn't sound attractive to me. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. if I were to compete, yeah, it'd be the same thing. Like energy manager, I'm trying to go for like that finish the whole time. But I say that now, but everything changes when you step on the mat, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, when you were walking into your first competition, what was your mindset, and did that change when you stepped on the mat? Compared to now, compared to now, yeah, yeah. I was definitely a kid who was always in his own head, like worried about outcome, worried about who's watching, um, about everything else that wasn't important in the moment. Um, yeah, I feel like I would always try to find some way. Out. Like, it was weird. I love competing, but also like when I'm getting there, I'm like, okay, what's the best excuse to get out of here right now? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> It's just those nerves that creep up. You're like, oh, am I really being vulnerable right now to a point like to where I can get pinned and like embarrassed? And but like time after time, like even wrestling and jujitsu, you're gonna lose. You, you you have to lose. No one's no one's ever been defeated. I don't. I, at least I don't think. But that's honest. I, it's funny because people are like, oh, you you win and then you learn, and they all you also have that opposite side. Like, well, no, like you you definitely lose. Like losing's a thing. Or, but you actually do learn. I feel like even at Masters World, it's like I, I always watch my tape. I always, I'm always looking at what I can do, even listening to my coaches of what I can do. Or if I'm in a position that I'm not familiar with, I'll talk to my coaches and I'm like, hey, I was stuck in 50-50. How the hell do I get out of this? Um, but yeah, I feel like I've definitely learned to just be in the moment more often, like whether that's in jiu-jitsu or even just like taking time away from everything else and just being in the moment. Um, yeah, versus starting, just getting in your head worried about the outcome, worried about what's going on in your life at the moment, <laughs> worried about like making weight for the next tournament. Um, yeah, being present in the moment and yeah, trying to choke your person out. <laughs> that So that's to kind of... We, we talked to Jason Khalifa. He's the CrossFit 2008 CrossFit Games champion, and he has a book called The AMREP Mentality. And during his interview, he talks about that quite a bit, actually. Of his AMREP mentality is being present in the moment. And jiu-jitsu is like literally the perfect example of being present in the moment. Because if you're not, you're going to get choked, right? If you're not, you're going to get taken down and whatnot. So was it just over time that you transferred it? Or was there a moment at like a competition or something where it kind of was like, Look, dude, I need to I need to get out of my own head and just freaking and be present right now. Definitely over time. Yeah. It's yeah, I guess it's just repeated like <laughs> lesson after lesson after lesson. You're like, okay, what what can I do better after this outcome of this tournament or this role? And you just kinda start checking off boxes, like, okay, I did this, I did this, I could do this better, or um I could train myself to do this better and also i think supplementing and like getting into yoga meditation 
and just being a little bit more spiritual, I feel like I've been able to, yeah, just toss out all the bullshit and really focus in and hone in to the exact moment or even just like going to practice, for instance, like I, I try my best to put my phone away and like really absorb the technique or even just being at the gym. Like, I'm like, all right, this is jujitsu time. Let me hang out with my jujitsu friends that are here. Let's learn some technique. Let's have fun within our group and just soak that all in. Cause we get like two hours of training at max, you know? So, um, yeah, just soaking in the energy of whoever's there, soaking in the jujitsu, really trying to understand that technique, whether that's drilling before and also after what we have learned. Um, that just, I just feel like you fill your head up with so much jujitsu, you know, and that, that just kind of stays with you. And yeah, I just, throughout time, I just feel like you, I, I at least throughout time, I've just learned to just be more in the moment to, to the point to where it's not even the thing I have to think about now, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, oh, go ahead, John. I wanted to ask you real quick. Um, I was listening to one of your older podcasts, uh, I think when you were doing it a couple of years ago. And you yeah. were on your way to a competition, and you were sick. Like, uh-huh. uh, I wanted to know: Did you make weight? Because you said you were like uh, I wanted to say. I think you said you were 153 pounds or 154. You were two weeks away, and uh, you wanted to get to the 145 weight class. And I was like, Is he going to be able to do that in two weeks? So then I was thinking, How do you cut weight? Like, what do you do to cut weight? Yeah, that's so funny. I don't what which I, I was doing a podcast called Skin and Bones with my buddy. Do you remember what year that was? It was, it was twenty eighteen. I think yeah. it's literally your first episode. It says I had a stuffy nose at the beginning of the description. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, I was going deep. I went way. Y'all back. were digging. That's yeah, bro. Hey, look, we we research people when they come on the show. You know what I mean? Because we don't want to be one of those guys that like. Yeah, matter of so, fact, you're, you're wait, you trained jujitsu. You were return, you were returning four dogs that you were dog sitting. <laughs> and you were oh, driving, shit. I want to say, what from was? Santa Monica. Oh, you know what? I think I'm. <laughs> you were driving in 2009. Honestly, I don't I don't remember that tournament or not. Um, probably didn't make it. No, just kidding. I've I've always I've always made weight, except for one time in high school, and I learned to always make weight after that. <laughs> so that's why I want to know what, what do you do to cut weight? And how much yeah. weight do you cut, too? Sure. So I cut down to light feather, which um, in the gi is 141 and a half pounds. Typically, gis are like three to four and a half pounds at most, I think. Uh, but my gi was like four pounds. So I had to get down to like 136. And two weeks before, I was like maxing out like 148-ish maybe. So it's, it's not that bad of a cut, maybe 12-ish pounds. Um, but what I do is... I try to get as much exercise in as possible and also just um, just monitor my intake. And I know just from wrestling for ever, I guess throughout high school and college, water or just liquids weighs the most out of anything. <laughs> also, salt is probably your worst friend because salt attracts water. <clears throat> so when I am... Uh, I guess cutting weight or prepping for a competition, highly monitoring just intake of liquids, solids. Um, but I'm also making sure 
what I am putting in my body is beneficial for training. So mostly water. I mean, I, I work in coffee. I always drink coffee, at least two cups a day. Um, but yeah, even monitoring, monitoring that. And also always checking your weight. <laughs> I have a pretty decent scale that I got off, got off of Amazon. It also tells me some body composition, which is pretty cool. But anyways, always checking my weight, whether that's like in the morning, after I poop, <laughs> at night. And my, my weight fluctuates at least like five pounds a day, whether that's just like food consumption and also, yeah, going to the bathroom. But when I train, um, I'm at least sweating three pounds at least to sometimes like eight pounds, depending on how hard my training is. So when you incorporate how much you're losing, at least how much is for the most part water weight, how much water weight you are losing, just also consider how much you're putting back in your body. So for the past two weeks or the two weeks leading up to master's world just monitoring my weight up and down i i, I would know i'm like okay monday that's i'm gonna train at 6 a.m going for comp training at 3 p.m do some drilling 5 p.m until class starts at 6 and then i'll have a day of sweating off 10 pounds you know <laughs> so um yeah knowing how how many times i'm training that day and bait uh, roughly estimating how much weight I will be losing um, and just tapering down. So I want to say within like the five days leading up, I was, I wanted to get within five pounds of that weight class. So I was like, okay, I want to, before two days before the tournament, I want to make weight. So I will be, uh, I'll be able to eat a little bit and also um, I'll feel okay. At least having some substance in my body. And so when leading up, let's just say, for example, Masters Worlds, um, I had to incorporate travel time too. And also if I had anywhere to train and or sweat, and luckily I had a friend in Boulder City where I got to train in the morning, sweat off good three pounds and I was under a pound and a half. So I went home, I wait, I stepped on the scale with my cans of water and oatmeal. I was like, okay, can I make weight? Held everything. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> I can have a cup of coffee. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, I, I went into, so yeah, I, I drove to the convention center, checked my weight. I was still like half a pound under, so I held my Gatorade. I'm all, can I drink some of this? And turns out I, I was able to drink half of it and felt wonderful. So just monitoring everything to the T up until I had to weigh in. So that's how strategic I am as far as cutting weight. That's some serious stuff you're going to get on the scale with your drink to see <laughs> I just remember, like, uh, going into a competition and all my friends that do it, they, that's something they really worry about is the weight class. And they're worrying about it, like, two months yeah. before the competition. Mm -hmm. It's stressful. Some of them. They were exhausted. They, they they made the weight, but they had no energy in the match. And yeah. I was like, you definitely have to do it right. <laughs> At least you, have, you just have to be nice to yourself, too, and, like, not overly stress. Like, but I, I, I do agree. It, making weight and maintaining weight is probably one of the most stressful things when it comes to comp competing. Because if, if you don't make a, make weight, you can't win or lose. You're immediately DQ'd. <laughs> you just lost your money. And I feel like that's not really talked about a lot. You know, you're like, oh shit. Like, honestly, I, I feel like <laughs> I get my, my anxiety is super, super high when it comes to maintaining that weight. Which I feel like if you're in a weird middle, go weight above. Don't put that pressure on yourself and just do it but i feel like i'm i'm in such a weird middle ground where i was where i'm like okay i'll just cut an extra five pounds and i've also been doing it for a while so i feel like I, i'm comfortable enough to cut down a little bit but if it's in my opinion 
just go up and wait. You'll be fine. <laughs> you need the energy. It's it's it, that's the shittiest part. You're like, cool. I've made weight. Let's fight. And you're like, cool. You're struggling on like a, a fucking like, Toriando or some shit. You know? <laughs> that shouldn't happen. You should have energy to fight. Yeah. So yeah, if if in my opinion, if anyone is seeking like, oh, should I cut weight? Just go up and wait. You're, you'll be fine. At least start training more to a point to where you're like, okay, I only need to cut maybe three, four pounds and then consider it. But if you're like, I want to cut 15 pounds and make lightweight, no, just fight up. And then just train accordingly to the people that you're going to fight up that weight. I think it was, I think it was uh, Benjamin Franklin that said, uh, failing to prepare is preparing preparing to fail, right? Yes. Like, like it seems like you, you have a regimen and you're like very, like this is where I need to be, this is what I need to do, right? A mm-hmm. lot of people I feel when they, especially our friends, no offense to them, the ones that <laughs> are stressing about cutting weight are because they're not preparing to cut weight, right? It's kind of like, oh crap, the competition's in two weeks, I should probably step on the scale or step on the scale and make sure that I'm doing good, right? You need to have that whole, that whole like work up here. That's why, you know, anyone that's a professional fighter or grappler or anything like that, right? They have a camp. It's like six weeks to get down to the weight. It's not like, oh, crap, the fight's in two weeks. I should probably, or it's in three days. I should probably start distilling water and wrapping myself up in a sweatsuit. You know what I mean? Because that's just not going to, that's not going to help. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Uh, So you mentioned a lot about coffee. Is that your beverage? That's your beverage of the day, right? We didn't even talk about beverage of the day yet. (laughs) Yeah. Beverage of the day, coffee. So... When you drink coffee, do you drink it before practice, after practice? Like, do you use it as like a pre-workout? Like, <laughs> actually, yeah. For really? the most part, it's <laughs> coffee's my pre-workout for life. <laughs> 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 Honestly, yeah, ca- yeah, caffeine in general. Um, I, I work in coffee, specialty coffee. Um, I'm a manager of a coffee shop here in Venice Beach called Little Lunch Coffee. Shout out. I also have my own <laughs> coffee clothing brand called Odd Glory. Um, but yeah, anyways, back to coffee. It is, um, yeah, pretty much. So yeah, I guess I'll just tell you my, my daily regimen. I, I wake up, Perfect. whether if, if I'm in, if I'm working, I'll always have like morning coffee before I start my shift or I'll go to a local, local coffee shop just around the corner from my house. Um, whether I'm working or I have training that day, I always have coffee before, whether it's like one or two cups, but also supplement with water too. And I also try to keep my training regimen, same with like, sorry, I'm, I'm, my brain's just going everywhere right now. I try to keep my my days uh, just sticking to my, yeah, my, my daily regimen, just I try not to switch that up. And same same goes for training too, or even competing. Um, I was, is it, is it okay if I say that I smoke weed? Is that chill? Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I smoke weed. Um, and same, <laughs> same thing with like, with training, um, even up to master's world. I, I didn't want to take anything out of my daily schedule, my daily regimen to a point to where it didn't feel natural to me. Um, so yeah, same thing with drinking coffee, same thing with smoking weed every day. I do it from, yeah, medicinal use and also like helps with my anxiety that I do have. And also gets me in a really good mental space, like before and or after practice. And same thing with, with caffeine. Um, anyways, I try to keep my regimen, my daily regimen the same for as long as, yeah, as long as possible. So yeah, when it's training with 
like if there's Mass Worlds coming up or even if I have like a super fight coming up. I'm going to keep it as the same as possible or if anything, the only thing I am changing is just like ramping up my training sessions. That so my, my exposure to, to you is uh, when I hit you up on Instagram was this super sick single leg defense that you have. Uh, can can you describe it? It looks like you someone you let you first of all you let people you're like oh you put the leg out they're like ah oh, you're gonna go for that single leg you're gonna go for that single leg and then you instantly invert into like a toe hold knee knee bar or a heel hook right you just get into that leg lock position like how did you come up with that because it's like I'm gonna try that but I'm a little fat so it might not work <laughs> very well <laughs> yeah so the, by the way that move has has been such an iconic thing like in jiu-jitsu and then also just in my life in general like that move spread quicker than covid did it was crazy um anyways yeah so what i was thinking in that moment it was at high rollers brazilian jiu-jitsu at the, the weed smoking tournament yeah um shout out to high rollers um so this guy um that, that was like the first 15 seconds of the match too i'm filling him out uh, my feet get all dirty, so I'm like wiping off my feet, trying to find a mat to like where I have good footing. And my goal was, I saw him leading with his front leg. I really wanted to go collar tie, um, ankle pick. So I was like, okay, I want that foot. So like while I'm prepping and I'm standing there, he had linky arms. So he immediately just snatched that single. I was like, well, your foot's still there, so I want to attack it. So it was, I've honestly never trained that move ever. I just really, I'm a reactive encounter fighter, wrestler um so when he took that leg i was like okay well i still want to attack that leg so instinctually i like pulled him in and i from there i with his <laughs> i'm gonna stand up and kind of yeah, yeah give you well, an example he also had my leg YouTube, like this <laughs> so he had that single leg and i for some reason i like put my leg in a little deeper and i also used the weight off of his arms to propel me up and around if that makes sense yeah yeah so i he had that single leg i pulled in and then i also jumped around and also attacked his foot so when i went inverted his foot was by my head like this and i just snatched it and um from there i was just thinking like okay uh, if the legs are in the middle of my legs i could attack a knee bar so i went for the knee bar he ended up prying my knee open and ended up passing and coming around i lost that match which is crazy but the craziest thing about that tournament is, like, I, I, I went one and one at, or in Nogi, but I felt like I got the most, like, publicity off of just that single move. And I had no intentions of that at all. Legit. <laughs> I, I, was, <laughs> I was pissed off because <laughs> I lost my match. I was like, yeah, obviously you, go, you sign up for a tournament and you want to win. And I just always have that, like, macho mentality. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> so i after that match i actually had my opponent from my previous match record that um his name's cameron shout out to cameron and uh <laughs> um yeah i saw him i was like hey can you film my matches for me he's like for sure so after that i lost that match after the flying knee bar i was at the gas station gassing up just a just about to drive back to san diego and i'm like ah i was like oh that's a pretty cool move cut it splice it and my caption is, didn't win the tournament, but want some oohs and ahs. Let's run it. Posted it. Wake up the next morning. And one of my teammates from my old school is like, dude, this is going viral. By that time, I think it was like 8 a.m. It had like 8,000 views or something. Wow. 
And then throughout a, a week span, there was, I counted up to 12, like, jujitsu pages. Five or six of them had 20,000 views of them. Jiu-Jitsu Times had, like, 80,000 views. Wow. One of my friends was on Reddit. He's all, dude, you're on Reddit, too. I'm all, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I'm at my job. <laughs> what job was I working? I was working at Orange Theory Fitness. I'm all, what the fuck is going on? And just notification after notification. It's like, this got shared. This new follower, new follower. I'm all, oh, my God, I'm going viral. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> um. But yeah, it was it was such a weird thing because it was so instinctual, like in the moment, and it was just a reaction that I had. But I, anyways, going into it, I was like, <laughs> I want an ankle pick. Turned into a flying knee bar that went viral. <laughs> yeah, that was super cool. And what it reminds me of is I'm pretty sure that's a single leg defense, right? In wrestling, not, uh, not obviously going for the leg, but it yeah. is flipping over, turning, is it away from the body, right? When they grab that single leg and then kind of inverting to get it Correct. out of it, right? It's yeah. not like a limp like, arm, but with your leg. Yeah, like you, yeah, backflip out of it. <laughs> my One of my buddies, Jimmy House, actually had a video go viral, like, Buff-ass bodybuilder guy was at a tournament in Arizona. The dude has a single leg on him, and he's hopping, and he just backflips out of it and gets a double leg off of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it is it is a defense, too. Just I, I don't know what it's called, just like a backflip single. But I love uh, yeah, just having that wrestling background. I, I know not a lot of, rest, or not a lot of jiu-jitsu fighters are going to have higher-level wrestler than me, unless, like, I know who they are, so I'll, I'll try to play with whoever I'm fighting. But, yeah, I, I, I kind of try to bait people for, for single legs because I do have that counter where, um, yeah, I, I have two counters, just about two counters. I'll, I'll, I could, like, scissor that far leg and sit and attack an E-bar, or I'll just turn away and roll through, which has been my favorite so far. <laughs> and looks good. And it's been working, so... <laughs> yeah singles doubles they're definitely the main of my existence they're so easy but coming into this when i was almost 40 years old i was mm-hmm. like oh man i just don't like doing anything like that with the knees and they're like no i was like Mm-mm, i'll pass <laughs> yeah and it's it's such a weird thing like i guess just with my confidence in my wrestling um if if i don't get a takedown um i know i could for the most part scramble out but I like when people do try to take me down because I, I do have that. I could sprawl decently, but also people aren't expecting that counter, like a roll through dive for a leg or even in wrestling. I would just, since wrestling, you can't attack legs or anything. I would turn away as a counter, like for a single and dive under their legs and come up for a takedown. So that's one of the moves that was kind of like an easy one for me in wrestling that translates really really well for me in jiu-jitsu where i can't attack legs like whether that's toe hold knee bar heel hooks so it works you mentioned that you you'll know if someone's a better grappler than you do you research your opponents before you go against them i know when i was signing up for a competition i was like who are these people let me look them up on instagram like see see who these people are do you do any research on who might be in your bracket i want to say no but yeah i do But that, because that also goes into like psyching yourself out, you know. Um, but it is helpful. I don't want to say you shouldn't do it, but depending how your reaction is on how you take information, because in high school, that's what that was my downfall. Um, we had this thing, um, basically like a forum for like who's ranked in state, who's going to this tournament, and my high school always went to like the higher level wrestling tournaments that were like the hardest in the state. 
And then I would see, like, what schools are going to be there. I'm like, oh, no, dude, we got Alex Cisneros in my weight class, like, three-time state champion in my bracket. Fuck, I got to wrestle this guy. And that I would always wrestle the name and not the guy in front of me, and that's what would mess me up all the time. So I feel like I'm better at that now, at least handling that information and having more confidence in my jiu-jitsu. And I'm like, okay, like... And also, like, training at autos, I feel like I got my ass whooped so hard, the hardest I'll probably ever get my ass whooped at an academy. <laughs> I'm like, what's this person going to do that Hanaldo Jr. hasn't done to me, you know? But, um, yeah. So I guess, like, throwing myself in the, like to the shark tank definitely boosted some confidence, especially now, where I'm like, okay, like, what's the worst that can happen that hasn't happened to me at autos? So you mentioned that uh, you train at autos. Um what was it like getting your purple belt from Andre Galvo? Dude, fucking dream. Like, it was so surreal, man. Well, first of all, even, like, moving to San Diego to train at Autos, and, like, for, legit, first people I saw was Lucas Barbosa, um, Michael Oliera Jr., Ronaldo Jr., Andre Galvo. I was like, dude, these are just... It, I was walking on, among legends, and then... Yeah, just kind of was like a no one. I mean, I feel like anyone who walks in just like, oh shit, I'm starstruck and I'm in the shark tank. I could die any moment if I say the wrong thing here. And yeah, walked in and it was surreal. Like to the point to where I was like, damn, like I could only get good here. But anyways, like spent about two years at Autos and then yeah, getting promoted by Andre Galvao was... Like Michael Jordan giving you, like if you're a basketball fan, if Michael Jordan giving you, I, I don't even know what to compare that to. It's, it's like <laughs> it's it's such a gnarly thing in my life because even like when I started jujitsu, I knew who Andre Galvao was. Like just he's like one of the faces of jujitsu, and I've also seen like technique videos like three years prior, even me moving to San Diego. So <clears throat> like the fact that like when I started coming when. He noticed me, at least, like, whom, like, he was like, oh, you're Jordan. I'm like, what's up? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> and, yeah, like, we're like, oh, Jordan, what's up? I could be like, hey, hey, Andre Galvo, <laughs> ADCC world champion. How are you? <laughs> um, yeah, like, I was definitely starstruck, but now, like, I know I'm, like, more on a personal level. I'm like, oh, you're, you're my professor. What's up, dude? You're, you're just one of the greatest of all times. Um, but it was cool when I got promoted. It was like one of the surprise promotions, and he had two belts at them. He's like, "Guys, oh, all first guy. Uh, this guy likes doing backflips." I'm all, "God damn it, that's me!" <laughs> <laughs> and um, he's like, "Hey, works hard." He's all, <laughs> and it's funny because my my last name's Rabe, but you know, in Portuguese, um, they pronounce a lot of R's as like H's. Uh-huh. So he's all, "All right, he's all Jordan Habe, come on, get your purple belt." I'm all, "What the hell? I'm all, this is crazy!" <laughs> and then yeah, he's like talking takes my belt off Taiji goes okay he's all now do a backflip I'm all bet <laughs> <I'll go backflip. laughs> and everyone's all yeah they didn't have me do a speech and stuff and this is at like a month right before I moved to LA um so I like got to tell everyone that I was leaving and whatnot and how special it was just to be in a room of yeah just like greatness it's 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 really really interesting my buddy Neil said it in like the best way possible it's it's rare air like everyone all the air that people's breathing there is just like it's it's greatness like you you walk in and i feel like any white belt can walk in and be a world champion there and also like not only is like 
the jujitsu is great, but everyone there is so damn nice. It's it's really really cool. Like I, I didn't feel like ever like uncomfortable or like unfavored. Like everyone was really really nice. Like it's in beautiful San Diego. Like what's there to be sad about there? You know what I mean? And also like have the best jujitsu. And I, I I feel like San Diego is just a, a hot house of so many good jujitsu academies there. Like strength conditioning. I used to work out at uh, Electric Performance there, and they're training it like all the hottest MMA athletes, like who are in Bellator, UFC, like world champion jujitsu players are there too. Um, yeah, I feel like just Autos in general training under Andre. It's it's a dream come true. You know, you like feel like people go to like camps for basketball for like Michael Jordan you go to like Woodward if they want to get good at skating you go to Optus you want to go get good at jiu-jitsu you know um but yeah it's 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 still a, a dream come true if I could put it in uh, words <laughs> now I wish I'd have dropped in there when we were down there yeah Chris Chris one of our buddies he's a black belt and he dropped in at Autos San Diego and he said it was like the he's like even the blue belts there like are just absolutely insane He's uh he's like it's it was it was a great experience. He got to roll with Josh Hinner while he was there, and uh, he's you know he met uh, Andre also, and he's like it was it was an amazing experience. He's like honestly it was it was expensive to drop in. He's all like and you have to buy a gi because they don't let you wear any outside gis. He's like but it was a uh, it was it was a great a great experience to go there and drop in every once in a while. So yeah, now that you have your purple belt, what what do you feel like your role inside your academy is like do you do you help teach now or are you still kind of just uh kind of like that blue belt mentality of like I, i'm not supposed to i'm not i'm not supposed to teach you know i'm like just here to learn also and and kind mm-hmm. of help where i can without stepping on toes like what's your mentality now in class that you're a purple belt do you skip yeah. warm-ups also for sure um <laughs> for sure you skip. <laughs> <laughs> i feel like it, it's it's uh I feel like it's any upper belt's responsibility to, like, if you see something and you feel like it's within your realm to correct or say something, give someone a hand. Um, I feel like I was kind of doing that at Blue Belt in, in some cases, but it's because I, as, for the most part, I, I love teaching wrestling stuff. And, like, when it comes to takedowns, position, um, off balancing, whatever. Um, but yeah, as a purple belt now, um, especially if I understand the technique and if it's especially in my game, I'll. And it also helps me learn it as well. Like I feel like I could watch a technique, drill it a few times, and I could understand it and understand the mechanics and the result to get to whatever position we need to be in. Um, but with that being said, um, yeah, as a purple belt now at my academy, especially, um, I am pretty involved. Not teaching. Um, I, I got into like photography and filming like about three, four years ago. So as of right now, I, I do some like content for them whether that's pictures but i do film technique videos so i'm there every time they do a technique press record put it away start drilling with my partner or like do like a a one in one guy in one guy out like three person drill and typically with like people my rank or like lower belts because um yeah i i do find joy in like also teaching too and that is I, i did tell my professors at some point like i would like to help out with whatever classes need that um i guess that that teacher in there um but i feel like i am naturally just someone who likes helping out people and also love 
teaching jujitsu in general. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like if, if you guys see, uh, yeah, like, I guess for instance, if you do see some technique that you are comfortable, like, Hey, Delahiva, grab the pant, don't grab the ankle or grab the ankle. Don't grab the pant or put your hook in a little bit deeper. If it's with good intention, why not? Yeah. So what we, we, we'd like to ask this question to everyone that comes on the show. Cause our show is really based around trying to document and find that common ground for people that are first starting training jujitsu. <laughs> Cause there's a, we felt like there wasn't a whole lot of content out there a couple of years ago when we started this podcast on, you know, the, the daily struggles of being a white belt or even starting jujitsu. So if you could give one piece of advice to a white belt, what would it be for a new white belt? Mm. have fun <laughs> that's that's the thing yeah have have as much fun as you can and um yeah i, I guess also like seek out find, find a style that or find a, like a group of fighters that you really like to watch and that you like that yeah that's like pleasing to you then search their techniques try to learn those sets and then I feel like you'll start finding the game that you like to play and whatever's like if it's comfortable for you to play too obviously you don't want to feel like if you're like a, a bigger jiu-jitsu fighter watch bigger jiu-jitsu fighters if it's applicable to your body type <clears throat> or fucking watch Menace Brothers see if you can bear and bolo and take backs if you can if it works for you try it out also yeah try out as many styles as you can to find whatever you want to succeed in. For instance, I, I had a wrestling background, so I was like, okay, I don't watch some dudes who are more top players, who are guard passers, which is why I gravitated towards Andre Galvao. Like, dude is tough on top, but also has a great guard. <laughs> and I feel like, yeah, going to Autos, I feel like I got to drop my wrestling a little bit and learn bottom game, learn how to play Delahiva, learn how to play reverse Delahiva, crab right, single leg X, eventually to get the back, which is... Well, like I said, that's my favorite place to be. But soak in as much as you can. Um, drill as much as you can. <laughs> Keep showing up, too, and have fun. Well, Jordan, this was a blast, man. Thank you so much for, for giving us your time. I know you got to head off to work and make a bunch of delicious espressos for, for everyone. Some lattes. Some lattes. Yeah, make go. some art with it, like some flowers. And right. some I, I call them milk doodles. It's called <laughs> latte art, but I call oh, them God. milk Thanks doodles. So if people want to follow you and see this this dope-ass uh, single-leg defense that we're talking about so they can <laughs> and try it in their class, where, where can everyone find you? And also, if you want to drop your clothing line, by all means. Yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram, Certified Latte Boy, B-O-I. <laughs> Um, my name is Jordan Rabe, R-A-B-E, and also, um, coffee apparel brand, Hot Glory. I got the beanie, got this windbreaker, also got some cool cards. That's, uh, we call this the struggling artist. <laughs> Anyways, um, this is my clothing brand. Follow us on Instagram at, at Hot Glory. This might be backwards, but certified latte boy. And my buddy, Chris McCall, the coffee warlock. Also, coffee shop, Little Lunch Coffee in Venice Beach, California. If you're ever in the area, come on by. I'll pour you some milk doodles, like I said. <laughs> and uh, we can talk jujitsu too. <laughs> All right, Jordan. Also, well, thank ch you for check out this little this little cups. My Autos branded. Dang! Uh, is that leather? Wow, look at that. Yeah. Dang, custom, baby. We yeah, have to get an elbow tight one like that. Right. 
Ooh, that'd be good. Cool. Yeah, I'll, cool. I'll connect you with my friend who did this for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jordan. Well, thank you so much, man. We greatly appreciate you coming on the show today. It was a blast. Love hearing your mindset and everything like that, especially your background and uh, how, how you're going through your jujitsu journey. So thank you for that. John, you got anything else? No, man. Thanks for the interview. And you, I think you put out a lot of good tips on people that want to compete. Yeah, absolutely. So if you guys uh, want to check him out, there goes all the social media. Everything will be down in the description below. And uh, remember, no oil checks here. No oil checks here. No. <laughs> oh, guys. All right, I'll get you later. Thanks. Thanks.